Welcome to episode 49 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, Frontline and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt, and joining this podcast today is Alison and Daniel. I mean, they're all abandoning us one by one, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like, do we smell? Yeah. <laughs> oh, going down the line. No, I think it's it's just that uh, slowly but surely everybody's got lives. Yeah. Uh, and we don't. Uh, outside of this podcast. We have so. nothing to do. <laughs> uh, the team will so. be back around again. And plus, it's a nice type of uh, revolving chairs. So, uh, but letting you know too, we do have a few guests lined up in a couple of future episodes. So it's not just going to be the trio or, see, we're, we're awesome. We can now talk about them as much as we want. And it's not until the next episode they they can do a right of replies. In the meantime, this is, I suppose you might, might call it an intimate yes. podcast, just the three of us. Yes. No Dutch ovens, okay? Not that okay. intimate. No. <laughs> Daniel, I believe that you have something. Well, uh, it's not just mine, but, uh, well, I suppose uh, you could call this an announceable. Mm. Another Working Dog series coming up soon. It's got to be something that's shovel-ready. Okay, a fully regional... Mm-hmm. What? That's it. It's a smart idea. It's not a bad idea. It feels solid. That could be illegal. I have complete faith in the NBA. What does that even mean? What does anything mean? It doesn't matter what we say, as long as we keep saying it. What? 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 New Shovel Ready Utopia. There you go. June 7 on ABC. (laughs) Shovel uh, Ready. And uh, it'll be in the 8 o'clock time slot, uh, where Hard Quiz usually is. I thought it might have been destined for the 9 o'clock slot where um, Auntie Donna recently vacated. It seems like the ABC of late has been shuffling a lot of programming around. They've been quite indecisive with not decide. Oh, sorry, am I criticising the ABC right now? Uh, <laughs> go no. for it. I mean, this is review and criticism program. Now? Oh, that's an outrage. <laughs> sorry, that's my. I don't know what that was. <laughs> no, look, the, the, the only good thing I think about it being on uh, you know, straight after seven thirty. Um, is that it should hopefully get more eyeballs uh, that way than it would uh, playing later in the night. Well, it kind of makes sense that um, it's going to air at 8 o'clock right after 7.30, Paul, because that's when Frontline went to air. Um, Frontline, of course, went to air on a Monday um, and 30 years ago, but, you know, it, it still works as a, as a way of structuring an evening of television. Um, I, I guess the other thing is that, you know, um, you know, Utopia and I guess the Hollow Men before it are kind of like the sequels to Frontline in a way because they're they're sort of sitcoms that are kind of have satirical elements, you know, serious elements, funny, just generally funny bits. And, you know, it's sort of it's just kind of a style that they've developed of sitcom and, and it, it obviously works in their time slot. So yeah, why not? Yeah. No love for Funky Squad? I love Funky Squad, but it's a very it's a very different thing. It's well it's a completely fictional world really, whereas, yeah, um, The Hollow Men, Frontline and uh, Utopia are all set in, well, some kind of a reality. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. 
But there is one person that has a lot to say about Utopia. I'll have nothing to say of interest about Utopia anyway, so <laughs> it works out. <laughs> uh, good old uh, Champagne Comedy Podcast co-host, Tony. See, yeah. See, he dolls it in even though he's not here. <laughs> is this what you're doing? If people people are not on a show, you're just going to find a random clip of them and just shove it in? Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. I'd better not go away then. So far I haven't missed an episode yet. And yeah, I'm, me I'm neither. Kind of, I'm, I'm hoping not to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you've, you've got me living in fear now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh, I've got a thing, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus! It's Daniel G and he's... Program guide. All right, plenty to get through. So I'll start with uh, what was over on Channel 10's Healthy, Wealthy and Wise. Hold on. Oh, God, the theme song. <laughs> I'm keep this uh, quick. <laughs> uh, so Jim Brown shows how chainsaw accidents can be avoided. Ooh. I'd say just don't let yourself near chainsaws. Might be, uh, <laughs> that that would be a good tip. There. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Peter Werrett explains how detailing can add value to your car. Ross Greenwood finds out how people are making money at the markets. <laughs> Lynn Talbot visits Goulburn. And Ian Hewitson prepares a prawn dish. Unspecified prawn dish. Yeah, a very generic. <laughs> it's called prawn a la generic. You know what's good about Goulburn? <laughs> you know what? You know what's a really cool thing about Goulburn? Other than what the big it? merino? Uh, once you get halfway, you're leaving Goulburn. Oh, yeah. Ah, Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's that's just a test to find out if we do have any podcast listeners in Goulburn. Right in. <laughs> I think that, I think they've all unsubscribed yeah, now. Bus trip to Goulburn. <laughs> no. Now over on the ABC, there's a couple of notable things in the schedule. Uh, at six thirty uh, in the TV TV time slot, while it's uh, switching cities. We've got episodes of the Britass Empire. Oh. And there's a particularly interesting review in the Sydney Morning Herald Guide from John Casimir. Um, Here's just a bit of it. Uh, Chris Barry must have a hard time at parties. To date, the actor has become known for two TV characters, uh, Arnold Rimmer from the sci-fi spoof Red Dwarf and Gordon Britass in this slightly more mild-mannered contemporary sitcom. What do both characters have in common? Mostly the fact that, to paraphrase Dwarf's Lister, they're complete and total snagheads, both uh, make people want to kill them on sight. Britass is irretrievably loathsome. The staff hate his asinine ways, but can do nothing but endure or leave. In that respect, the show has much in common with Forty Towers and is clearly based on the classic. Uh, tonight, Sebastian Co-OBEMP gets a going over and the local Classical Wars group a bunch of blokes who reenact battles in Roman armour storm the leisure centre. So there you go. You you basically get that uh, at 6.30 Monday to Thursday. Uh, Friday, of course, is reserved for Gardening Australia. So, so, okay, four nights a week, Britass. Yeah. That's a lot of Britass in in your week. I mean, I, I remember Britass. It it was it was okay. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I, I guess it's, 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 it's it was many. appropriate for the time slot. Well, true. I mean, there's yeah. many British sitcoms which are yeah okay. Like they're not mm. not the best, but just yeah, all right. If it comes across, I'll watch it. 
Um, yeah. And at 9.30, we've got the final episode uh, in the fourth season uh, of French and Saunders at 9.30. Much like we had in episode one, we had uh, the parody of uh, Misery, which was already done by The Late Show. Uh, with this, we've got another parody. Um, in this clip I've grabbed here, uh, we've got uh, the girls uh, going through the parody and getting stopped by a policeman who looks an awful lot like Griff Reese jones Hello, <laughs> oh, Chief Commander. No problem. <laughs> I told her to slow down, but near Tavistock's oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, no fast she was going, my lover. It's yes. the fact that you was on the wrong side of the road, and that's a bit silly. <laughs> perfectly easy. Yeah, so I expect you is, uh, is this your car, then? Um, it's not exactly my car, no. You see... <laughs> The thing is, we are here doing a film for the BBC. You see, film, there's a camera there. There. A film, well, it's not so much a film, it's more of a parody of a film, isn't it, yes. Dawn? Yes. Um, you see, Thelma and Louise. Have you seen Thelma and Louise? You must. No. Told you. No one's ever seen it. So there you go. Let's show did it first. Thelma and Louise parodies. Now, also in the Sydney Morning Herald Guide, we've got a behind the scenes look at Frontline, written by uh, Shane Danielson. Um, I won't read the whole thing out, but uh, basically there is an interesting look at how the uh, TV show is made. And, uh, yeah, basically it it gives you an an insight into the week. uh, It's about a week it takes to turn around the show. So uh, this is how Frontline is made. With each episode written some weeks in advance, there's a preliminary read-through on Tuesday. Then rehearsals on Wednesday as the writing is fine-tuned and any necessary outside locations secured. On Thursday, the studio sequences are filmed at the ABC, as well as any location footage. The following day, all the office scenes, uh, the main body of the program, are shot. Over the weekend, the footage is edited and compiled. Online editing takes place on the Monday night. The high 8 video footage is then taken to a lab, transferred to Agfa Film, and then copied back to video thus giving it the show's distinctive, slightly degraded, almost film look. Finally, it's compiled, ready for mixing on Wednesday night. It then undergoes a thorough legal screening, necessary given the show's close interaction with the real world, before the final post-sync sound mix is added and the program cut to length. So there you go. That's how the sausage is made in this case. (laughs) So, um, do we have to let this play out? Isn't this lovely music as well? Yeah, this is just gorgeous. But I'm wondering, um, whether these original tapes before they're put through this filmization process still exist because you know, a lot of people, Prue, one of our panelists, um, you know, and I guess increasingly me kind of find it, it, the quality of the irritating, you know, the picture quality, yeah. Um, in um, in storage, and we were able to maybe get it out and give it the old, you know, AI high definition upscaling. Oh goodness! Yeah, Blu-ray release or something. Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> hint. <laughs> hint, working dog. Hint. Still going. So yeah, this yeah it is. Uh, so that lovely music. It's holiday for strings by the voices of Walter Schumann. Um, and uh, it's uh, from the Ultra Lounge series of compilation albums, uh, which uh, were a favourite of Tony Martin. So you, you might have heard some of these Ultra Lounge selections in Mark Malloy and even in Get This. 
Uh, you might remember this bit of music specifically from the what happens when you send an email to get this sketch. <laughs> Sizzle, traction, cut nice. through, recall, likability, familiarity, market friendliness, tits. <laughs> So here's hoping that you, the enterprising wireless listener and email sender of, will have approached the dauntingly lofty standards demanded of you by the broadcaster's Alan Jones says he loves gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry. The broadcaster's Alan Jones says he loves gentlemen. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Dust off the so, classic one there. Well done. It really is, yeah. And that's the program guy. Oh, thank you very much, Daniel. We're going to get into it now, and guess whose turn it is, Alison. Here we go. Yeah, we're 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 wasting tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if it was on tape. <laughs> okay. All right. So, are you ready for your turn, Alison? I am. Cool. Name's going. So the orchestra is being warmed up right now. Sorry. They're build, building Sorry. up to their crescendo just for me. Fired. Mm. <laughs> Right, okay. Three, two, one. Hello, I'm Alison. This is Frontline Season 1, Episode 9, The Invisible Man, broadcast Monday, July 4th, 1994. As what Alison just said, uh, that is... Frontline, The Invisible Man. And the synopsis of this episode is that a hidden camera story for Brooke backfires when Mike tries to fix up his low profile and the cameraman get an eyeful of Brooke. And it kind of spoils everything, doesn't it? That's what's That's exactly written in the DVD. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where are you getting these synopses from, if you don't mind me asking? The DVD. Oh, wow. That's exactly what's written inside the case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Give away the final scene if you wanted. <laughs> cool. That that wraps up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thanks, everyone. The Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Very short. <laughs> no, that's word for word. Wow. Wow. But, yeah, the episode does open up uh, to raw footage of a hidden camera filming potential shoplifters in a changing room. Hidden camera, quote unquote. Yeah, I. When they find a smaller camera, it's a pretty massive <laughs> lens, isn't it, sticking out of the change room? But um, yeah, I mean, to this day, they they do not have cameras in actual change rooms because there's a lot of well ethical and legal issues there. But obviously, Frontline doesn't care about such things and just puts a massive lens in there. I'm kind of surprised that they were able to find a. Uh... A retailer, a retailer that said yes. Oh, there's probably plenty of small businesses who'd be more than happy to have that kind of thing in. They don't care about anything about their prof- apart from their profits. I mean, we don't we don't see much of the actual story go to where, but I would assume that there would be the, you know, the typical grab of the shop owner saying, you know, I've had it up to here with yeah. it, with all the with all the stealing. My question, actually, about this whole episode is. Where's the legal team? Where's the network legal team on this? Because surely, you know, they would be just going, you can't put this to air. Because I'm pretty sure that, you know, Current Affair or Today Tonight or whatever did stories like this, but they would have to pixelate faces of the people in change rooms. And Frontline don't do that in this. I think they were trying to do that. This whole episode was to base it on the fact that it was raw and that's how it was back then. Mm. 
So, uh, and I guess that's where ACMA, or before it became ACMA, but the Communications the, Authority. The, the ABA. The, uh, the ABA. Yeah. Who, who gets a mention in this episode a bit later. Yeah. They're yeah, quite an interesting thing about them. But where's the network legal team here? I think, again, it's it's poetic licence. Like if there was legal inter- intervention, it would have made for a short episode. They do try to back themselves throughout the whole episode, well, some yeah. people anyway, but that's a bit of a spoiler alert, if anything else, so I won't quote it right now. It is a big question mark on that. Where is the HR department slash legal team? All right, so we're in the office and money dares Stu to steal the portrait of Mike from the hallway for 50 bucks, but discovers that Stu's already done it. <laughs> but will Mike notice at all? It is missing. Well, it must have been taken down for cleaning. No, there's only one reason your photo gets taken down, and that's... <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I'll look into it. It reminds me of those days where they would go behind the scenes during Hey Hey and just go down the hallway, and they always look at the profile um, portrait in the hallway at the reception area. Well, there's also the Late Show sketch where they go to Channel 9 and, and you see, you know, they're at Bendigo Street, Richmond, and you see all the photos on the walls, but also they they find people's dr- dressing room names that are in the bin. They probably made <laughs> yeah. them themselves as props, but, you know. <laughs> and I think a few years later when they do the Mick Malloy show and they've got Mick's portrait up on in the hallway of Channel 9. But that's a thing, isn't it? It's, it's a well-known thing in television that the foyer of the station has got the pictures of all the big stars on the wall and, you know, the size of the picture supposedly tells you something about their status and fame and if the portrait disappears, it's because they've been fired. Those were the days. And so, the, the you know, the celebrities get very paranoid about about all that kind of thing and, you know, that and... I mean, that's basically the B plot of this episode, isn't it? You know, the three, Mike and, and Marty and and uh, Brooke, are just sort of, you know, almost in competition for each other to who can get, you know, the most interviews or, or invites to charity events and so forth. Yeah, I love the fact that Mike was trying so hard and yet Marty and Brooke just sitting back cruising along because they, especially Brooke, Brooke was just like, yeah, yeah. it's part of my job, that's who I am. But also she could sort of be quite comfortable in the fact that she was getting yeah. all the publicity <laughs> and all the, all the best invitations. Yeah, meanwhile Mike's not being uh, invited to a celebrity golf pro-am. But we find out why later. <laughs> I, I, do, I, I do wonder with that sort of thing, yeah, uh, Mike would certainly be on the celebrity side, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, wanted, he Well, would. he's probably not a pro golfer. But Mike does feel invisible, uh, he, especially that uh, when they were going through the photos of a recent publicity thing where he was cut out of the City Slickers 2 premiere. He <laughs> 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 was just his shoulder. Um, but at least he has his Who Weekly interview that he's done to look forward to when it comes out. At a production meeting, Marty's been invited to the Celebrity Golf Tournament and Mike's disappointed he didn't get one. And that's just eating away at him the entire time. Mm. Brooke does reveal that over the two days, the hidden camera has caught 17 alleged, unquote, uh, shoplifters. And many, many, many more pairs of breasts. Yes, that's the problem, isn't it? They they have to shoot everyone who comes in, you know, whether they end up shoplifting or not. So they suddenly, Frontline suddenly finds they've got a whole bunch of, well, footage of tits basically it's shown in the editing room when they're all together uh there is a small crowd gathering around here and you got marty <laughs> the production crew brooke emma 
and... She's almost nude. It's a changing room, Emma. We can't show this. What is your problem? We've got permission from the store in writing. And permission from the women? I mean, they would die if they knew yeah, they well, were going to be Well, they should have thought about that before they broke the law. Oh, bullshit, Brooke. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. I think it's just, it's that this they're shouting what they're seeing. There's something prim primal about that. Very primal, very... <laughs> it, it does sort of portray heterosexual men in quite a simple light, shall we say, or an accurate light, depending yeah. on his perspective. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he can't do that these days, Neil. Well... That's always the case with a lot can, of things. Uh, that's like, sorry, thing. I... No one's stopping you. <laughs> Behind closed doors. Yeah, that's a bit wrong. Mike uh, is having a chat with Jeff in his office. Uh, that's Jeff's office, and they talk about their profiles a little bit. I said to the news director the day I started here, I said, hey, I'm a TV personality five days a week. The other two days, I'm a private person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is why I said no to this weekend. What's this weekend? Celebrity golf day. Yeah, I said no too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting that this does put uh, into Mike's head uh, the possibility of uh, uh, foregoing all publicity. Um, it's something that'll get returned to further down the track. I think it's series three. I do love that Jeff is going. Uh, your profile's pretty damn low. Like <laughs> he's just yeah. rubbing it in. Uh, yeah, your profile's low, mate. Your profile's very low. But he's he's not doing it in a mean way. He's he's just sort of no, no, just no, doing no. it in a kind of factual way. Um, but but it's it sort of all all these things, whether they're nicely put or not, they just you can see how they keep eating away at Mike, particularly the celebrity golf pro am. You know, which is probably a really dull event actually. But you know, he just it's kind it's sort of FOMO, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm also wondering what the caliber of uh, celebrities. Uh, in this uh, pro-am is, uh, considering that they've um, invited uh, Marty and the weatherman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, they both seem to have got in ahead of Mike. It's probably putting for peace. <laughs> oh, that's a deep cut. <laughs> that's, that's final episode of The Late Show, you know, fleeting, what was that, maybe five seconds worth in, an, uh, in a montage? Yeah, we sent it to Gareth Evans. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this podcast is about, obscurity. And if you, if you understood that reference, congratulations. Yes, right into... <laughs> right into getting there is fun. no prize care of Champagne Comedy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, in Brian's office, Emma, Marty, Brooke discussed the shoplifter footage with Emma's morals kicking in. Hang on, can you imagine how humiliating it would be for a woman to know that her breasts have been seen by half the country? What's it like, Brooke? <laughs> <laughs> Marty comes out with the zingers. He certainly does. And Brooke's yeah. reaction actually always interests me when there's like obvious sexism like that. And there's another bit later in the episode where there's more of this kind of tit-based sexism stuff. And and she just kind of doesn't care about it. She she never challenges it. She I think she she's kind of worked out that you know if she doesn't challenging she doesn't challenge it. You know she can just kind of live her life without being hassled so much, you know, whereas Emma does yeah. challenge it and, you know, she just cops a lot for it, which I think is quite an interesting character note about Brooke, you know. Brooke, it just shows that she's thick-skinned until it's about her directly, oh, yeah. like her personal life, and then it's a very thin Well, skin. there'll be more of that later too in this episode. Mm. 
Jan talks publicity and interview schedules with Brooke, Marty and Mike. Is there anything else for me, Jan? uh, Oh, you're much too busy. Oh, no, 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 I'm happy to do it. Pull my way, you know. I oh, um, well, um, well, it's not really your scene. Well, I mean, well, all well, we well. have left are just silly things, celebrity stars in the bath, um, what you wear, why, when, and how, that sort of thing. You wouldn't want to do one of those. No, no. well, maybe one. Um, all right. Um, Harold's son, celebrity chef, will do a photo in your kitchen. Right. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, all all the media organisations just want to speak to Brooke, and and a few are interested in Marty, but it it's sort of it's so interesting that none of them really care about Mike, and you know, Jan because she can't get anything for Mike, kind of just goes, oh, you don't want to do that, darling. No, I, I think I think I think that's just trying to steer him away from. Well, what he eventually accepts. Yes. Yeah, star, you know, stars in their baths and, you know, why I wear what I wear and it's all those sort of uh, very low-level stuff which, um, uh, yeah, Mike should be steering away from. Yeah, I mean, the Celebrity Chef feature kind of seems like, you know, fine, you know, what what does Mike Moore cook at home? Unfortunately, yeah. it ends up with him lying around on his kitchen counter wearing a chef's hat and looking kind of ridiculous. Um, which is really, which is really quite a funny photo, but but not really appropriate for the host of a national current affairs show. No, that's very unhygienic for the bench because yep. especially when you got to prep like fish and steaks and stuff like that later but, on. But also, he's not maintaining the proper level of decorum that you know you would yeah, expect exactly. from a current affairs show host. Ray Martin never did that. <laughs> Stan Grant never did that. No. Well, see, Alison, Matt, did did either of you think of? Alexander Downer. Oh, when you saw that. Oh, the yeah. The, oh, the with the leggings. Have to mention that name for you to both remember that the famous photo. fishnet stockings. Yeah, fishnet stockings. Yes, which was it was uh, taken in 1996 for a, a charity, but uh, well, considering we remember it, I'm pretty sure Alexander Downer. It's probably taken far longer for him to shape that. Uh, well, I remember this. Stereotype. I remember it being in the Adelaide Advertiser, and basically, it was a it was a photograph of a man wearing like a man's leg in fishnet stockings, and it said, "Who do you think this man is?" And it was some kind of comp charity competition type thing. And I probably not many people thought it was Alexander Downer, but it turned out it was. And then they they published the full photo, and it's it's him yeah. dressed in a suit, but with one of the sort of trousers of his suit pulled up to reveal him wearing fishnet stockings yeah. and and high heels, right? And it's like, it's like yeah. uh, they're predicting the future. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, again, in terms of maintaining a, a level of appropriate decorum for your role in society. As a politician, that's maybe not the right thing to do because it's it's the kind of thing that a sort of a, a low rent celebrity would do rather than someone who's supposed to be in a position of authority. And that and the fact that, you know, fishnet stockings and high heels are women's things, everyone went, oh, he must be gay. <laughs> and then that started all the gay rumours about him. Not to mention, you know, pretty much every uh, political cartoonist's uh, um, you know, license to, to present him in the fishnets yeah. as a cheap gay. And I guess it didn't really help that he's, I guess he's not the butchest of personalities, Alexander Downer. He's, you know, he's he's more of a, a softer sort of. And if you want to see that image, don't Google it. There's simply, uh, it's on the Good News Week uh, Best Bits video, the Unseen and Obscene. So it's preserved there for life. Yeah. 
You, it does mean you have to break out your VHS player in order to see it. Yeah. Dust, dust it off. <laughs> Dun, Google, yeah. Nah, Google is much simpler. It's there. I'm afraid, like, as much as I'm sure he's tried to get rid of it, it's still there. Curse so, the so, internet. So, yeah, if, if any photographer tells you, you know, it's just to finish up the role of film and we'll send it to you as a joke, don't believe them. No. So after that one awkward photo later, and Brian is very pissed off about it, but Mike tries to justify it because it's meant to be for his profile until Brian's like, you fell for the oldest trick in the book, uh, until he sees the rest of the office wearing a chef's hat. And guess who else was wearing a chef's hat? Actually, that everyone in the office, apart from Dom, but including Konica, has got the chef's hat on. Love it. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love how uh, Lee, I, I love that that you mentioned uh, Domenica there, and her, her saying specifically to my, I'm not wearing one, and him going, I know, yeah, not, yeah. noted, yeah, as if, as if to say thanks. She's like, even, even 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 for, for Domenica, it was too far. She's really on his side, isn't she, Domenica? You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I love the fact that going back to Colin Conacher, he decided to copy everyone in the office. Ah, Give yourself a padum tish there. (laughs) No, I can't. I can't. It's not worthy of it. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. I've disgusted your ears with that bad joke. That was a really good joke. Well done. Thank you. But... Mike records uh, his shoplifter promo. How's that? Is that it? Great. Hey, that story looks good, doesn't it? Uh Uh-huh. AM, have they not done anything wrong that they have nothing to worry about? Yes, Mike. Yeah, that's Mm. right. So that's what I always tell people. Why run when if you haven't done anything wrong? But I've never been caught in a compromisable position, so... (laughs) Hmm, I don't know. I'm revealing too much there. Uh, unless, unless this podcast counts. Oh. Well, if this podcast yeah, counts, we're, we're, we're all condemned for, to jail, I yeah. think. <laughs> Life sentences for a lot of us. Yeah, the other I, three I, escaped. I, I can't wait for the uh, Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah, it was. Missing and Rogers and Hammerstein a couple of uh, episodes ago to resurface. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, come that on. Is before you, I'm sworn in as Prime Minister, <laughs> that clip will emerge. We ain't got dames, yes. No, well, the thing is, Daniel, we will have sold our stories of working with you and all of the tapes from this original recordings from this episode. <laughs> all of the uncut recordings. Yeah. So, you know, your chances of becoming Prime Minister will have been ruined. You'll oh, be on damn. the front, front page of the Daily Mail, Daniel. I'm, I might as well not strive for it now. Well, okay, what are your policies? Because, you know, I can't vote anymore in Australia, but, you know, if I come back and live there for a bit, I can vote. So, you know, what? What tempt me. Yeah. <laughs> Woo me as a voter. Come on, we need to feel less, some time. Less reliance on sport, I think. Yeah? <laughs> I feel yes. like I've had my fill of sport. L- less sports stadiums in, in Tasmania and, and more something else oh, oh yeah they can they can definitely stick the stadium up their bum yes <laughs> <laughs> so what about flags would you change your what flag what would you feel on the republic or the voice to parliament um, come on you got to have policies daniel how much will the abc get from our tax money uh, enough to produce physical media again 
would have a pro-physical media uh, policy. Now, Daniel, this is a very important question that I'm about to ask you. How much is a loaf of bread? It's two dollars and fifty if it's got the reduced sticker on. That's about all I know. <laughs> That's about the only time I buy bread. Have you have you got dodgy ties to some church that extracts money from its parishioners? <laughs> Only, only a local Catholic uh, church, and as far as I know, nothing wrong's happened with them. Okay. What albums would you give as a gift to a New Zealand Prime Minister? Oh, gosh. The Satanic Sketches, the, obviously. <laughs> uh, there was a good series of compilations uh, compiled by Brent... Oh, what was his name? Brent somebody. Um, that fart album. The, that the... fart album. <laughs> would you that? <laughs> you could offload uh, Tin Lid's Hey Rudolph. <laughs> Perhaps I should just uh, give the next, uh, you know, visiting uh, US Prime Minister just the, the, the keys to the to the pile of CDs and just go, take your pick. Here you go. There's about 100 copies of Bruce Samazan, one of a kind <laughs> that we still need to get rid of. They can, they can have my, my backup copy of the Brown album. <laughs> oh, no. That's worth <laughs> at least $5 on eBay. It's the, it's the one. It's in a pristine for, for this, but you, know, you, never, you never play it unless it's, it's for the, the, the visitors. I like that you've got a good copy and a utility copy of <laughs> the Brown album. <laughs> yeah, I love it, yeah. But, yeah, honestly, if, there, yeah, if there's anything like that that I find in an op shop, I just I uh, grab it up straight away. Yeah, well, I'll vote for you. Press, yeah, press. I should uh, you know offer a bit more funding for the National Film and Sound Archive. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd vote for that. Considering they've already got Tony Martin's tapes. Yeah, they could get those frontline yeah. tapes just to just to bring this you know screaming back to what we're meant to be talking about. <laughs> you, you, can, you can bring those high eight tapes into the archive and and then release sort of nice copies of Frontline that with clear footage. Yeah. Where the hell were we in this episode of Frontline? Are we okay? We've done we've done the chef's hats bits, and now we're on to Emma being concerned about the footage again. Well, well, speaking about the chef's hat, did you notice that when the they go back to Mike, because a lot of it's about Mike. Talk about having a low profile. Mm. He's pretty like there's a lot of him more than normal. Uh, he's actually cutting out his chef's hat article oh, yeah. in yeah. his office. Because he's, he's sort of secretly really proud of it. <laughs> That's when he asked Dom if he's seen his invite for the golf tournament, which he's still keen on going to. And then uh, he gets a request from Jan uh, for an interview with uh, Dougal Jelly from The Age. Yeah. Yeah, from The Green Guide. Yeah. And he, it, Dougal kind of really struggles to find an angle to you know to write about Mike because there basically isn't one because he's quite a boring person he's just had a sort of bit of a journalistic career and that's kind of it but then Brooke appears in the office and Dougal's like oh can I go say hi to Brooke and then he he does the classic thing which is exactly like what happened to Mike with the chef's hat picture is he secretly turns on his tape and starts recording Brooke when she thinks she's just kind of off the record and being candid, and then he's got the story. So the lesson is always assume all microphones and, and, you know, cameras are live, I think. Well, well, I mean, even even in this sort of scenario where there's not meant to be any microphones around, like, I don't know, maybe you should just be that paranoid that, that, you know, there's always a microphone somewhere. Yes. I mean, I mean, gosh, I mean, I mean, gosh, there might be a recording device in each of our places, sitting right in front right of you. Hmm. Oh, is this a mo- Ollie shit? <laughs> it's a microphone. <laughs> What's that happening? Is, is this? I thought I was talking is to a guy. Recording? 
now also the actor playing Dougal Jelly, the writer from The Green Guide. Yes. It is. It is Dougal Jelly, <laughs> and he is a writer for The Green Guide. <gasps> so much so Cameo. that. Yeah, play, essentially playing himself, really. He doesn't do too bad just uh, in an acting uh, yeah. uh, capability. Yeah. I love his hairstyle. He looks like Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> very, very popular kind of 90s hairstyle for a certain type of bloke, I think. No, that wasn't an insult or anything. You, no, it's... Look back again, and he's got a really wicked it's hairstyle. It's cool for the era. It really is. And, uh, yeah, we definitely we definitely know that Ducal Jelly writes for The Green Guide because the Thursday after this episode, there is a cover story <gasps> behind the front line. Mm. Uh, it's a very long one, and I'll go into it next episode. Sure, Great. looking forward to that. Um, I will mention, though, that Emma does talk to Brian about the invasion of privacy. So Emma's morals getting all high and mighty type thing. It's getting the better of her. Kind of like the previous episode about the art of gentle persuasion. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a few contradictions in this episode too, yeah. Yeah, and Brian compares it to what's the difference between the changing room camera and a speed camera, and Emma does put him in his spot. So he's like, and Brian's like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, well, but he can't the, really. The main one being, as, as she points out, that when you're in a car, you're generally not naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, Thank you, also Captain you're Obvious. Not, yeah. also, you're not going to be televised if you speed. Yeah. But with uh, Mike's interview, uh, that kind of went not knowing at the time, pear shaped, because he does go, oh, t- take a 10 minute breather. Uh, Brian and Mike talk about the ethics about the shoplifting story because Mike's a bit concerned too, but he doesn't have the guts to, you know, put his foot down. He's just curious. And with Brian asking him the same thing about the difference between a speed camera and a changing room camera. And Mike just goes completely the opposite way with it. He, like he can't nothing. think of one. Yeah. No. Oh, except that one's outdoors and the other's in indoors. Yep. <laughs> That's the difference. The yeah. end. <laughs> Dom shows Mike the Who Weekly issue with his interview. Aren't you going to read it? Oh, I don't like to read about myself. I'm not interested, really, Dom. Okay. Oh, what's the general gist, though? What's the general general sort of gist? Thrust of the just a general thing. Dom. Why is there a photo of Brooke? And her f- dog. Shall I tell you where the man friend that you're coming? His name is Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, love, you know what? I- yeah, I love. I love that. It's sort of. It's like a petulant eight-year-old who's yeah. who's just who who wants who's who's going to run away to his bedroom. I think I think I've I've got the the shorter grab there. If if you want to play it again. Shall I tell you where the man friend that you're coming? His name is Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it says so much about well, yeah the way Mike is like uh, about publicity. He's like an eight-year-old. He's oh, he's yeah, very he's very very wound up, isn't he, about the lack of publicity that he's getting right now, and and that leads into the next bit, which you know is sort of again doomed to failure. The next part is Jeff and Mike talking about the Who Weekly yeah, article. That's true. Yeah, and uh, and J- Jeff suggests a blanket publicity ban. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is is absolutely not what Mike wants. <laughs> no, it's he like... wants the exact opposite of that. Jan and Brian talk about the Who Weekly article with Jan coming up with a solution uh, with 
billboards. Mike Moore plays the role of the invisible man. Yes, I know, and I'm on the case. We thought this just might help. Right. I'm putting up these billboards all over town. Who gives you more current affairs? What's the matter? Oh, a little dangerous asking questions on a billboard. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're thinking That's of, true. you know, bugger up, aren't they? The people in the 80s who used to sort of graffiti cigarette billboards. You know, it was kind of like any anyhow have a wing field and then they would write, yeah, but it'll give you cancer or, or actually far worse than that, funnier things than that. But, yeah, that's well, kind of yeah, what they're the, thinking the, of. The, the one I remember is changing the slogan for, I shouldn't know this, but it was a slogan for Peter Jackson, you're laughing, yeah. changing it to you're coughing. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing. Now, th there's also a golden rule which learnt in radio school and that was that you never ask a question especially in a commercial because you're giving the listener uh, the opportunity to say no. Yeah. Well, just to think what, even, generally. Even thinking about carpet? Yes, exactly. You just got you thinking about carpet? That, no, no, I'm not I'm actually. Not thinking about carpet. Now, are you listening to this podcast? Oh, they've hit stop on the podcast. They can't hear us anymore. <laughs> yeah, you want you want more <sighs> listen to this podcast, you know, and it's sort of a suggestion yeah. that kind of subtly mm. makes you go subscribe or whatever. We, we need to keep yeah. saying that. Online... Maintain your subscription to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to stop people unsubscribing. I did notice uh, some little things here. Ooh. Yes. Now, if you look carefully at the billboard. Which is, which is very hard to do with the crappy quality, as we've mentioned mm -hmm. before. This is, I'd say, they've used a proper billboard image that they were doing to promote Frontline because A, it says Mondays, Monday nights 8pm on ABC <gasps> with the ABC logo. Yeah. And Frontline's not meant to be on the ABC. It's meant to be in the Frontline universe an unknown channel because remember they yeah. poached Mike from the ABC mm. and the rivals are real life on Channel 7 and A Current Affair on Channel 9. Yeah, it's oh. yeah, it, it's basically it's yeah, it's alongside our real life universe, but not part of it, no. so to speak. So they've broken their rules, their canon. <laughs> so uh, the universe is folding in on itself. So hang on, do, yeah. does that suggest that there were actually billboards created for the sitcom Frontline, which may have gone up around Melbourne? Maybe, and, and, and they just use that in this episode just assuming that no one would spot the ABC logo in it or something just to save themselves Possibly. the time the time to sort of mock up a frontline one you know a fiction yeah, frontline yeah i'd say that's yeah. happened they've gone on that and it's like oh that's been vandalized and maybe they've been inspired by it interesting well spotted so if you ever saw one of those uh billboards back in the day in 1994 let us know mm. so jan suggests a per telephone appearance for Mike <laughs> it's starting to get under, interesting under, under the guise of nobody will see it yes apart from <laughs> people much. in Perth and in the kitchen Stu pins up a very graphic photo of a nude shoplifter well not graphics just it's a topless photo of the woman much to women's disgust well Emma Emma is disgusted Brooke just kind of doesn't care 
She's got, she's no. got a more pragmatic view of sexism, really. Mm. Yeah, which is not to challenge it. But Marty's more curious about the lack of milk in the fridge. Yeah, he. This is this is the, Marty doing his material about the girls' milk. It's it's girl milk though. You know, it's like sort of skimmed milk. You know, it's not proper milk. Skim milk, yeah. yeah. Rev. Yeah. Rev is the brand name. Yeah. Yeah, the ultra skimmed milk. And with the art of gentle persuasion, Brian gently persuades Mike to do the Perth telethon. Uh, eventually, the shoplifting story does go to air uncensored. Yeah, with a with a with a Donna Summer soundtrack as well. Bad girls. Yeah. Norgs akimbo. Yeah. <laughs> Tits. Yeah. <laughs> My DVD, that's pretty good for PG. The next morning, Dom fields calls for complaints and Brian is celebrating a great ratings result. Uh, Mike wearing a skivvy. What a great fashion <laughs> what, what sense. What a great skivvy that is too. It makes him look so pretentious. <sighs> Uh, is concerned about the ethics and handling of the story with Brooke happy to take over the production of it. Yeah, and just just in this scene is um, basically talking about uh, what happens when people complain to uh, the TV stations and I'd say probably one of the most played clips from Frontline in Media Watch. What if they uh, dob us into the Broadcasting Authority? Won't happen, mate. What if they do? Oh, the Broadcasting Authority's a myth. Yeah. Look, for a complaint to be heard, they've got a right to us, right? Not phone, right. And that cuts out 70% of the population for a start, you know. Then we've got 60 days to respond, you know, which we definitely let go by, by this, which time the Galahs have forgotten what they originally complained about. Mr. Milk. And? And what? The Broadcasting Authority. Oh, the ABA haven't got a leg to stand on. <laughs> Self-regulation, mate. It's a joy. I love mm. that. That that is in an in a much a it, that sums it. it up so well. Yeah. 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 I know. It's like, where is the milk? <laughs> so- <laughs> you may have missed the point of that scene, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and so sort of like, it, it hasn't changed too much really no. I mean the, the, regular, the regulator is now called the Australian Communications and Media Authority and uh, you can complain via a TV station's website but, but even, everything but has even been then, right. it's basically just about you know like if you don't like the response from the TV station you can basically refer your complaints up the chain the, the, the only other um, change that's happened is in those online forms is that you have to specify whether you actually saw the broadcast that happened <laughs> and not just not just a, you know, a clip that somebody forwarded on Twitter or yeah. Facebook. Yeah, because it needs to be what time was it roughly and then go from the flash log, you know, the, the logger yeah. to find it exactly. So it's just to help them find what's going on. So they take it all seriously. It's all in detail, but you've got to back yourself. That station, channel, whatever, need to go, all right, if it happened, where did we go wrong? What rules did we break? Go through all the processes. And then send a letter to the uh, to the original complainant saying, we don't see anything wrong with what we've done. Exactly. I'd say, I'd say nine times out of ten. I think if you've got a complaint about a television program, it's probably not worth going through all that process because, you know, it's self-regulation, you know, they don't care. They don't really have to sort of adhere to any particular standards. But the only the only way that you ever seem to get change in television is if the media get worried about it, you know, and, and so if, if it if 
I don't know, the Daily Mail or or some other media organization sort of goes, this was disgusting that this went to air or whatever. That that is actually often that often leads to changes. Like, you know, what what was that? Um, the, good, the good old court of public opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so it's not the broadcasting authority that makes much impact. It's it's actually just beating up in the media. So yeah, if you can if you can get the Daily Mail to care about it, you might get the show off air if that's what your aim is. So Brooke ends up doing the radio spot. If you're not doing anything illegal, then you have got nothing to worry about. There's a clencher yep. of a catchphrase. <laughs> sort of the mantra of yep. this episode, isn't it? I th- think so. Yeah. <laughs> and so Mike discovers that his billboard has been vandalised uh, due to the repercussion of the shoplifting story. So Mike cops it because well, he is the okay. face of Frontline. This Mike. billboard, right, when when Jan was talking about the billboard with Brian and they were saying, you know, oh, never ask a question on a billboard because people vandalise it. And she said, oh, don't worry, it'll be really high up. When there's the shot of Mike driving past the billboard, it's actually really low down and it would be incredibly easy. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you barely even need a ladder to go and do that kind of graffiti on it. But she's referring to one billboard when it turns out later on there was like nearly 20 there of them. Yeah, 19 or something and 17 got graffitied, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I also like the the fact that they, they keep the Monday nights at 8 on ABC out of frame. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're, not, you're now aware of that and when you watch yeah. it again next time you go, oh, it's right there. It's actually promoting the... Yeah, the show within the show. Yeah, and then and then also just the fact that um, Mike is uh, singing along to um, Romeo's tune, which is a very it's a very classic rock, easy, easy listening kind of a song by um, oh, John somebody. Darn it! Camp. That's not by the European guitarist. Oh, Otmar Liebert. Sorry, I'm 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 having to have a look. So is it not by um, Per Gessel from Roxette? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to have a look through through my Spotify because I've I've been saving the songs that have been featured uh, in Frontline into a playlist. Are you oh, going to release no. a Frontline playlist? I think you're better off just listening to Smooth FM because there's a lot of Smooth uh, FM kind of songs here. Sorry, Steve Forbert is the guy that sang Romeo's tune. Interesting. And yeah, it's a very like it sounded like it was coming in from an AM station. That's probably that, that's, the, that's the sort of yeah probably something smooth and mellow like three double T or something. Baffling. <laughs> yes, yeah. was three double T even a station? <laughs> All right, so back in the office, Brooke has been invited to the fashion show. So ooh, lardy freaking celebrity bar. fashion show, but she gets to keep the outfit, even though it's for charity. Yes. Yeah, keep the outfit, quote unquote. <laughs> um, and on air. Elliot Rhodes, uh, the Friday Night Funny Man, uh, performs the Buckingham Blues. And so after the show, Emma and Brian push Mike off to get to Perth. And <laughs> oh, with, with the, the sage advice, yes, don't sit next to Agro. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's in a taxi, the taxi driver doesn't recognise him, even though he's been in the country for 17 years. <laughs> or, Ouch. or whatever, how many years. Yeah, He's probably um, driving taxis at 6.30 weeknights. Mm. Well, true. A few days later, though, uh, Stu has the tape of the telethon from Perth. And wow, what a lineup! Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I've, I've got a little game uh, we can play. <laughs> sure. Because uh, ev- everyone uh, except one uh, in the, uh, the telethon panel here is essentially, well, now a friend of Working Dog, really. They've been seen before on The Late Show. 
Alison, I might start with you. Where okay. have we seen Pete Smith before in the late show? Well, dude looks like a lady, of course. That's the one. Dude looks like a lady. 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 Just have that on loop. <laughs> So, yeah, the good old musical mix-up. Uh, it's not the only time he's been on The Late Show, but I'd say it's what he's known for. Matt, um, where have we seen uh, Tim Watson before? Ah, Tim being part of the AFL school for footballers. Yeah, the grooming school. Tim, you played a great game last week. Good. Uh, I was shit hot last week. Um, <laughs> actually, I've been bloody good since I've come back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just been a little bit disappointed with the way some of the other boys have been rolling out. <laughs> Timmy, what about the finals? Hey, who gives a rat's ass about the finals? (laughs) Look at him playing his comedic chops. All right, Alison, where have we seen uh, Charles Bud Tingwell in The Late Show? Well, this is kind of obvious. Charlie the Wonder Dog. I could have picked any clip from uh, Charlie the Wonder Dog, but uh, just, uh, yeah, there's only one line which uh, we really need to hear from. He truly is a Wonder Dog. Yay! All right. Good old Gramps. And uh, Matt, uh, where have we seen... Uh, well, he doesn't even get introduced uh, in this clip, actually, but he's off to the side. Uh, did you notice who that was uh, Was on the uh, extreme left of the, the screen? Yeah, Laughing Ed Phillips. And where have we seen him before? Laughing Ed Phillips. Laughing Ed Phillips, the guy that does Thirsty Thursdays, Flatknackers Fridays and set your sister on fire and win a sack of shit Saturdays. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's give it to him. Oh, yeah, hey, come on, tell us the time. Oh, yeah. Tell us your whoopers as clean as, come on. Yeah. What's your traffic report? You wouldn't get a job on a tour bus. You wouldn't get a job on a tour bus. Oh, my God. Out. Show us your back announce. And, uh, yeah, that just leaves Jane Hall. One of these things is not like the other. Wasn't on the late show, but, look, as is, uh, as is mentioned by Pete Smith, uh, she's from All Together Now, and uh, I think that's a good enough excuse to, uh, to play this. Just like that, turns around. All Together Now. That loud. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I think none of us are ever going to be Prime Minister, are we? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, why don't we give that on vinyl to the New Zealand Prime Minister? What we want is that why Allah wipe out right there on my TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's obscure. Yeah. That's and such a very to Emerson. Do with so we need to get back to this no. telethon. <laughs> yeah, and so Mike ends up performing an acoustic version. Well, there's any words. Well, acoustic. Very bad miming, to be honest, but, you know. Yeah. Um, of Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven. Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? But it's not the first time that uh, Rob, Mike's alter ego, uh, played acoustic. Do you know where else he played acoustic? Oh, gosh. 
This isn't as easy as my is game. It, is it actually? Oh, no, I'm playing your game right it, now. I'm playing your game. Is it playing that guitar and singing at the same time? Because it's certainly his, him singing. Uh, not him playing guitar because if you notice, his left hand does not move across the street. I mean, he was Harry Connick Jr. in The Late Show, of what, course, but... What, what else? Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Graham and the Colonel. And the Colonel unplugged. Gorgeous. I gotta say though, Tears in Heaven. It's a bit of a weird choice for the for a telethon. I mean, it was written about you know the death of Eric Clapton's very young son. Child. Yeah. Well, it depends what the telethon was. If it was like sort of cancer kids or something, then I suppose it's a moment of reflection in the. Yeah, they could have put a montage this is why of we're all, kiddies this over. This is why it. we're all here. You know, remember the kiddies. It does mimic another current affairs host who does play the guitar. A oh, little bit of I Walk the Line. I keep a close, eh? Yeah. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes. This is something I've waited all my life for, but I never thought I'd do. Playing alongside Johnny Cash, the man, the legend. <laughs> Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you Because you're mine I walk the line It's too early I ain't opened up yet <laughs> Stan Grant playing for Johnny wow. Cash Do you want to flash back to 1994 while we're there to the actual Perth Telethon and guess who was actually performing out of all the many performers that were on during the Telethon? One in particular Ooh. And they are referenced into the Late Show. See, I, see, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know my history of the Perth Telethon. No, I don't either. But I did some research. So, okay, this, <laughs> this wasn't one of the Late Show cast members. It was, but it was someone who was on the Late Show at some point. No, not on the Late Show, but uh, was impersonated. Oh, okay. And you mentioned it earlier. <laughs> yeah, like you mentioned it uh, not what, long the guy ago, probably. From no, <laughs> only a couple of minutes ago you oh mentioned. Oh God, who was it? Harry Connick Jr. There we go. Oh. And uh, you know, Rob. My phrasing's amazing. The melody's just fine. The only thing that spoils it. That really, really spoils it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good get, actually, for the Perth Telethon. I mean, they don't need Mike Moore singing with his guitar. They got Harry Connick Jr., for heaven's sake. Well, guess who was on Hey Eight Saturday uh, <laughs> around that time as Harry well? Connick Mr. Jr. Harry Connick Jr. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But on Monday, uh, they do arrive back in the office and especially Mike, who does turn up and everyone's humming a particular song. <laughs> well, what I love about that moment is they all start humming and then Mike goes to go into his office and just as he reaches the door, Brian yells out, Mike! <laughs> <laughs> and Brooke arrives in the office with a new outfit from the fashion show. Uh, meanwhile, Mike's interview with the age turned into a Brooke interview Ooh. where the reporter uh, had secretly recorded their chat. 
as we all know. Brooke is very, very upset about this. How dare they? How dare they? She didn't consent to be recorded. Shock her. Much to Emma's amusement. Yes. (laughs) And then the current affair promo plays with an expose on Brooke getting changed. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this, this is from the charity fashion parade and they secretly filmed her changing into her outfit um, in the change room. Yeah. So she got some of her own medicine there. Again, sort of similar to last week, a satisfying storyline but not a very plausible one, you'd think. No, because you would, I mean, just to be really boring and pedantic about this, go on, pedantry. Pedantry. Oh, yeah. pedantry. You know, <laughs> le- station legal departments would certainly get involved in this kind of story, you'd think. Uh, it'd be lawyers mm. at 20 paces at, yeah. at, from both networks. God, can you imagine the people at the ABC uh, receiving calls from viewers about seeing Norgs on the screen? Yeah, at I, eight o'clock. I, I do wonder actually whether they well, got I some mean, there complaints wasn't any about actual, that. There wasn't much Norgage to be to be had, certainly mm. not from anybody in the, uh, that's credited. There, there's enough Norgs to sort of upset your sensitive viewer, though, I'd have thought. Yeah. There's there's a, at least a, a nice shot of, of Brooke in the bra, which may may, may have been, uh, what was that phrase? You know, it's a, it, it may have, uh, you know, burgeoned up a bit of a blossoming, blossoming period. What was the, what was the yes. phrase that, that, that was used for... We'll go with that. <laughs> Something for the teenage boys there. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm just trying to think. It was, it was, this, it was with Kim and Mick, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't, rem- I I think just can't so. remember the exact phrase. but you know, so, like- Something to help men through puberty and possibly yeah. beyond. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry we have to think of, uh, about you like that, Jane Kennedy, but lingering shot, but you know, at least there wasn't any full, you know, going the whole, the whole way. And, Daniel, this is why you'll never be Prime Minister, because of this confession. Yes! <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> so that concludes Frontline Season 1, Episode 9, and the Champagne Comedy Podcast, Episode 49. We've made it to Episode 49. Yay! Hooray! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't... Are we I tied? Mean, yeah. The next episode we're going to have is number 50. I mean... Yep. I'm surprised that we've lasted this long, especially considering we're doing it, you know, fortnightly. And we may have a special guest next episode, Ooh, a guest review. Who's that going to be? So, yeah, that's if they decide to turn up. But <laughs> no, look, uh, shall, we, shall we guarantee this, considering the episode hasn't been recorded yet, that we guarantee that there will be more people on the podcast than this episode. So, so, yes. So four people then. <laughs> at, at the very least. Yes. There'll, there'll be sparkling <laughs> rapier. There will be okay if if the if it's just the three of us turn up next time. I'll get my husband out of bed and I'll make him talk about Frontline next to me. <laughs> so that'll be four people. As long as he downloads, that's the main thing. Does he download the podcast? Mm, I haven't. We haven't got to the point in our marriage where I force him to download this. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs the podcast when you've got it right next to you, twenty four seven? Yeah, I can just talk to him about it anytime I want. <laughs> Which is why yeah. he often runs away from me, but anyway. <laughs> also next episode, we can chuck away the script books. Yes. Because oh. it's not, it's not, this episode, uh, the next episode is not in the book. Well, that means Kim will be part of the group again. <laughs> because Kim doesn't own, the, Kim's the only one who doesn't have the book. We've got to try and track down a book for her. I feel like we need to give her a, give her one for, you know, I mean, Christmas is quite a long way away, but just. As a general 
50th anniversary, 50th episode present for Kim, we get her the script book. If anyone sees one uh, in an op shop yeah. for a dollar yeah. or two, Listeners let us know. comb the op shops of Australia mm, from please. coast to coast. Ah, Graham Kennedy, eat your heart out. <laughs> This is this is the great frontline script book quest. That's uh, pretty much it. Yeah. And uh, so feel free to email us champagnelateshow at gmail.com, Twitter at TLS Champagne, the site champagnecomedy.com, uh, frontline, the late show page, as sorry, frontline, Facebook, the late show page, or search uh, Champagne Comedy Podcast group on Facebook. It's on private. Answer the three questions and you're in, as well as Redbubble. And I still haven't set up a Patreon, but if you still want to, send us a dollar somewhere like that i'll give you my paypal account (laughs) (laughs) and then we'll split it so at least you can buy us all a coffee but as always thank you very much allison daniel (laughs) 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 i'm so used to just rattling off the names it is weird allison daniel thank you for turning up i appreciate it cool that's okay Cool. And also, thank you, the listener, for downloading and wasting your bandwidth on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm Matt. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions at (laughs) fulton.com.au. I, I knew you'd do that as the as the final thing. Make never. <laughs> what kind of person do you take me for? <laughs> <laughs>